Clemens K. Takwaye now presents Dark Dawn Part 1 from the Nevernight Chronicles by Jay Kristoff. to MNK Talk YA. I'm Marissa Snyder. And I'm Katie Bradford. And this is our Young Adult Fiction Podcast. And this week we are recording in person. Woohoo! Katie came to Chicago. Because there are banana cookies. <laughs> I still haven't been to Phoenix. <laughs> when I do come visit, I will bring banana cookies. Oh my goodness, that seems like I win no matter what. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they'll be smushed and unrecognizable, but we'll still eat still them. Still delicious. With a spoon. Um, so this week we started the last book in the Nevernight Chronicles by Jay Kristoff. This book is called Dark Dawn, and we read up to chapter 23, which is called War. <laughs> Just casual. <laughs> Just war. I mean, at this point, war is like, with all the bad things that have happened in this book, like the dark, disturbing things, I'm like, ugh, war. What's another war? Like, bring it on. I can handle it. Uh, yep. We've had a lot more people die already. We've had a lot, yeah, just a lot of brawling. <laughs> just general brawling. Doesn't even phase us anymore. Murder and brawling. And a lot of, a lot more sex. Let's not forget <laughs> Which that. Which also just doesn't even phase me anymore at this point. It's like, oh, it's been three pages with no mention of sex. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> He's definitely not shy about writing his sex scenes. No. I was going to say something, though. Okay, we were talking about brawling. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still adjusting to Chicago more. time. It's only two hours. <laughs> That's my excuse. We did have a rough uh, arrival last night. So. We ended up with two flat tires in the course of trying to get across town. So, yeah, it was an adventure. But... Chicago streets. <laughs> yeah, those potholes, man. <laughs> um, okay. So, book one, we had Assassin School. Mm-hmm. Book two, we had Gladiators. Yep. Book three, we have my Pirates! favorite. Yes! <laughs> I love a good pirate. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Except I feel like I've over-researched them, so I tried. I didn't do much of that this time. Did you research? You didn't research pirates? Mm-mm. I researched them a little bit, but I might save it for next week. Okay. We still, hopefully, we'll, we haven't lost our pirates. I can't imagine. They're currently MIA, though. Okay, so who, who is our pirate again? Cloud. Cloud. Oh yeah. Not his real name. We're trying to guess his real name. It doesn't begin with a B. Does it begin with a B? I don't know. There's twenty six options. Should we try and guess? <laughs> I feel like it's gonna be something like Bartholomew. No, I feel like it's gonna be like John. Bob. Yeah, Bob, <laughs> yeah. Frank, like George. I don't know. Something really the dread pirate Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um what do we think about Cloud? I love him. You too. <laughs> Which should surprise nobody who's been listening to this podcast. He's a like snarky little pirate mm-hmm. and good at what he does. So yeah, he's right up my alley. But does have a tragic past. Yeah, I forgot. His brother joined the choir and was taken advantage of by Cardinal Duomo back when mm-hmm. he was just a bishop or a priest or something. And then tried to tell his mom what happened and she didn't believe him. Ugh. Which is the worst so thing he jumped. Ever. Yeah, he killed himself. But that is part of why Cloud is like all about Mia. Not only yeah. did he make a bet on her just based on 
uh, shallow things a little bit, but also her fighting ability. He is glad that she killed Duomo, so now he's her ally. <laughs> yeah, hundred. And I wonder. I'm I'm interested to know if like he was planning on taking revenge against him. Um, he doesn't seem at all mad that Mia killed him and he didn't have a chance to like avenge his brother. He's just very glad that she's with him. Yeah, I sort of feel like being a pirate is his revenge on the system, maybe? Yeah. But not like, I don't know if he's the kind of guy, he's not a murdering person the same way that like Mia is, I think. True. Like, I don't think he's afraid to murder, but he's not. Which is funny because he's a pirate. (laughs) Mia's a whole different level. (laughs) She really is. I mean, between assassin school, gladiator school, and piracy, that's like the three big murdering professions. (laughs) Just kidding. She's done it all. I do love how she's collecting a bunch of allies. And she's starting to recognize it too. Even in the last book, you know, she's making friends. She's establishing more family. She's also Mm -hmm. found more family. She did. She's now reunited with her brother. The little brat. (laughs) He's such a brat. He's so insufferable. I know he's only nine, but like I want to slap him in the face. (laughs) But I also love that he's like that. Like I love that he's totally a nine-year-old and like totally the spoiled rich guy's son and... I love when she was like, you can't always get what you want. He's like, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And their relationship is so funny. And it makes, I I feel like that relationship is done really well because it makes sense. She thought he was dead Mm. and she cares for him, misses him, remembers him. He has no recollection of her. All he knows about her is he literally saw her stab his dad in front of him and then kidnap him. Yeah. So, So she's his scavia. Yeah. And... She's a slave and he's, I mean, like there's so many levels in which Mm -hmm. he would never interact with her normally. Or consider her his sister or equal or anything. And it's interesting watching him finally start to come around. Like I know they're not there yet. And I think Mia's still trying to learn like how to have a brother and how to be a sibling. Mm -hmm. But they started out not great. And now they're finally starting to warm up to each other a little bit. And I think, what's her brother's name? Jonan? Yeah, or Lucius, depending or Lucia, on who you ask. <laughs> um, you can see him, like, start to trust her. Yeah. Well, because they do, they have this darkened thing in common. Mm-hmm. And I think he he's also in this kind of terrible environment. He's away from, again, everything he knows, all the luxury he knows. And yeah. she is trying to take care of him. So there is kind of that bond there. And he found out she didn't actually kill his dad. Not by choice, but by accident, basically. Right. Because it was the doppelganger, which we knew at the end of the last book. So I'm curious. Do you think she still ends up killing him by the end of the book? I'm really torn on that because we have that scene where Mia finds out that Scavia is still alive. And her father. And her father. And she immediately goes to try and like finish him off, right? Yep. And she has that moment where she meets with him and he was like why are we enemies? You should join me. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she will, but I I don't know if she's going to kill him anymore. Like, I think she is. Like, in my heart of hearts, I think she's going to kill him, but I thought it was very interesting that they threw out the possibility of her joining forces with Scavia. I like that. Plot point two. I can't see her joining forces with him, but I am curious with her relationship with her brother if she can kill him still. What I would love to see happen is see Jonan kill the dad. Ooh. That's what I kind of want to happen. I don't, though. He's nine. Well, okay. I guess this this book has really changed my (laughs) level of acceptability. What do you want to happen? I want the nine-year-old to stab someone. (laughs) To murder his own father in cold blood. (laughs) 
Um, but I think, I guess what I would love, to, maybe even accidentally or something, but like him to choose his sister over his dad by the end of the book, I think yeah. would be what I would love to see. But again, now we've sort of seen this whole world and as bad as Scavia is, he also is just as he said, kind of like playing the game right. He's succeeding. The people love him. Mm-hmm. He's mostly a good-ish... I mean, like, as far as politically corrupt power-hungry leaders go, I feel like he's a pretty decent one. He's not, like, totally... I don't know. Yeah, I mean... Like, we hate him for personal reasons right. from Mia's perspective, not because he's, like, committing mass genocide or something. True. He is in league with the Red Church, though. <laughs> And they are committing mass genocide. I mean, no, they're not, but they're killing a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, he's not a good guy. I think the problem I keep seeing, though, is we've seen enough of this world and there would be a power vacuum. Like, I feel like in some ways getting rid of him would be worse than keeping him. Yeah, I mean, who would take his place? Yeah, we don't have a clear leader. And the other thing that we know or has been foreshadowed this whole time is Mia's going to die. True. So it's not like she'll take over. Not that I think she'd be good at that anyways, but... And also, I totally forgot that we read in the beginning of the book that Mia was going to die. And I only remember that once Mercurio, like, goes to the library and finds the books that we're reading. So what do you think about? That's, like, all kind of meta. Like, it's so <laughs> cheesy and weird. So, yeah, we find out, because the library is where things that haven't been written or have been destroyed, and basically books that aren't in other libraries all end up there mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And we found the first two books, and they're written by... Mercurio. Mercurio instead of Jay Kristoff. And he's reading them like, how did I write this? Right. <laughs> but I do, I love that it mocks, I love that since it's doing this kind of weird thing that I'm not sure how I feel about, that it's also mocking itself in the process. Yeah, when he was like, what kind of wanker writes a book with footnotes? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, my question exactly. <laughs> At least we know now who wrote those footnotes. So you were guessed it was Mr. Kindly at yeah. one point who wrote it. I like that almost more, although I don't know how exactly that would have worked. But I sort of feel like this is her father figure, and then it makes some of the things that have been written Ooh. weird. <laughs> when he's like re- reading this, the sex scene, or yeah. he doesn't read the sex yeah. scene. He, he was skips like, no. reading it, but supposedly he was the author. And I'm like, the narration for some of this stuff, how would he know? Or how, it's not like she would have told him. But I guess it's this weird, but the book's already, he's reading the books. We, I don't know. Yeah, when did he write them? Who know. It's it's a very weird piece of the book that I don't understand, but also like I can't invest any more brain power trying to understand it. So There's a lot like, going on. Okay, because we also found out more about the moon. Oh yeah, Aeneas was yes. the child of Nia and our favorite god. Uh... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and it's basically like the moon and our world mm-hmm. and as we know it was the f- she had four daughters and then she had a son and her husband had told her never to have a boy so he sent her away and she only comes out for the never night every two years mm-hmm. or whatever and um shattered his son into a bunch of pieces i guess that are now becoming passengers in darken yeah so when he fell his soul shattered into like a million little pieces and some became passengers, and the stronger ones became Darken. And now that, and that, I liked that because that totally made sense about how, like, every time Nia met another Darken, she felt like hungry. And it's like all the pieces of this god's soul are trying to find each other again and become whole again. And so that's why, like, Cleo, the first Darken, was like consuming other Darkens, and 
But it's also confusing to me a little bit. So does Mia have part of a god inside her or is she part of a god? I think she's part of a god. It, it kind of would make sense a little bit if there was a part of a god inside her and she was trying to like eat the other parts oh, of the god, but it feels weird sense. to like destroy. But I also agree with you. I was under the impression that she was a god, yeah. or part of a god fragment, if you will. But yeah, why would you kill off other parts of yourself? I don't know. Something about it just like isn't quite, I don't quite get it. And like what happens when all of them are united? Is it the god is back from the dead and he's whole and he's... The moon rises into the sky and... Just like it Darkness does every night. <laughs> but not in this world. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> it does kind of make it seem, I mean, obviously the map is nothing like our world today, but it sort of makes it seem like it could be really, really far in the future, really, really far mm. in the past in our world, just because like it used to be the sun came up and then the moon, night came and the moon came up and like they were in concert or whatever. They, yep. they met at dusk, dusk and dawn and split the time and now we have this the three eyes and three years of sunshine and yada 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 but they also say that only when darken are slayed by other darken do their shadows join which i think is interesting so it's not like oh yeah so like she didn't kill cassius so like she didn't get his shadow but i thought she did she got his passenger which is different okay but it is a little weird because then they said that part of the god like disappear or is gone Right? Cassius's part is oh, gone. Yeah. So, so he can it's never like be he, whole. He can never be 100% whole. So how, how whole is whole enough? Whole-ish. <laughs> and that's, that goes back to the question too, because if her, her brother and her dad are all darken, can they all three still be alive or do one of them have to kill the other two? Maybe that's how she dies. Maybe she dies to like let her brother live or something. I bet I know what happens. Okay, what? I bet she refuses to join Scavia. He mm-hmm. kills Mia, and then jo- the, her brother kills Gavia. No, you don't like this. I'm looking at your no, face. No, I like- <laughs> I'm thinking it through because I I guess I just don't want Gavia to kill her. So I'm like, no. But part of that does make sense to me. That would be so brutally ironic. It would. And we know this book doesn't have a happy ending. That's true. That would be a real bummer, though. So maybe, since we know it doesn't have a happy ending, Mia and all of her pals die. Scavia still just rules the world as a fake king, and the god never gets reunited. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe maybe it just really is a pointless three books where nothing changes at the end. (laughs) Thanks, Jay Kristoff. (laughs) Took three books to murder this girl, but eventually he got what he needed. So the other big thing is that Trick is back, and Mia has seen him now, and he keeps telling her that, like, he was brought back by the goddess because she only keeps what she needs and he's like Mia's spiritual guide now and he's there to help her. And he keeps telling her that her purpose is to remake the world. Yeah. So I think that's that's like what they want Mia to do. They, they want her to like regroup the god together. But again, to your point, we're still not really sure what that means exactly. Yeah. Like we under, I understand conceptually the god is fragmented. We need to bring the pieces together but yeah does she have to kill people does she have to die is she become the god does the god take over her like i don't know there's a lot of questions but now so now they're on this journey right to find this map wait back to trick for one second oh yes we should so that was his excuse or that was his story and i don't think it's entirely false but he also revealed his true personal motive for Mm -hmm. agreeing to come back or fighting to come back He's still in love with Mia. Oh, and she's having conflicted feelings, which I'm glad for. Yeah. I'm glad that it's not just like, oh, whatever. Because they did, I mean, she did care about him and he died unexpectedly. And she's like, it would be weird for her to just be like, well, I'm over it. Right. But she is still choosing Ashlyn right now, at least in her actions. And 
it's again, it's just more complicated because not only is she, it's one thing to like be like, I moved on. Sorry, trick that part. I'm okay with, and not that I'm not okay with it otherwise, but it's like, I moved on to the person who killed you, which is just so, it's very complicated. And now we have Ashlyn who's getting jealous a little bit that Trick's back because she's worried that she's going to lose Mia. So it is really one big mess, but I can't see, I feel like Mia is conflicted a little bit, but I can't see her choosing Trick. No, and I don't think she's going to end up with Trick. I could just see it messing up her relationship with Ashlyn. Yes, if that makes sense. I can see that like too. her, she's not like letting herself off the hook for moving on with his murderer because he's there reminding her that he's back. If that makes sense. Yes, totally. But even if Trick hadn't come back, I don't know. Like Mia True. said so herself when she was with Ashlyn, she was just like, "What do you think's going to happen? Like we're going to rent a house in the countryside and like live happily ever after as peaceful farmers?" And Ashlyn was like, "Yeah." <laughs> And there's a lake there that (laughs) reflects the sky, and it's cool. Also, she's having weird dreams. Should we talk about those? Mia's dreams? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't really like it. I feel like bringing dreams in in the third book, I'm sort of like, I feel like these are important, but I don't really get why she's suddenly dreaming and what the significance of it is. If If it's just to help her, like, sort through all this new information and give us some ideas about how she's feeling about it. Okay. But I, I don't want it to be like the dreams have like a lot of direction in them or something like that. Like I'm kind of hoping they just stay as dreams. I agree because it's like, where are these dreams even coming from? Are they being sent to her from the goddess through trick? Yeah. I get it. If it's just like her mind working through stuff. Cause she's just found out that her mortal enemy is her true father. Mm-hmm. She just found out she's a God fragment. Her, ex-lover came back from the dead and she's with his murderer so i I mean there's a lot going on so it makes sense that she's like having bad dreams but it's like she can't sleep and they're like kind of weird and they're i don't know i'm sort of like i don't i don't like this we don't need one more piece at this point we have enough going on we do um how about the red church we haven't seen the red church for a while like in the second book we didn't really see them that much Mm -hmm. we got him back in the third book um, they have captured Mercurio, and they're kind of using him as bait for Mia. Mm-hmm. We found out that Mercurio used to be lovers with Drizilla, mm-hmm. and he used to be a blade. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew he was a blade before. <clears throat> that's true. The main thing that I found really disturbing was the weaver and her brother. <laughs> They've always been disturbing, though. Part I of me was that. like, this doesn't even sh- Like, this is... Okay. <laughs> Par for the course. <laughs> it's just so gross. Like It, it is. And, but I was also curious, like, what were they talking about whenever they were saying, like, they dislike the other blades because they're, like, serving the mother without having paid a tithe or something? So, like, we know Mariella is a flesh weaver or whatever, but she is covered with scars. And we know that her brother has this blood power, but he's also, it's like, their gifts are also curses. Like, yep. he drinks too much and gets sick. He has to drink it, but he can't drink too much of it yeah. or whatever. He's yeah. either starving or bloated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And on blood, of all things. Which... But, like, why? So, I think, so there was this old magic, I forget what it's called, that they, they're, like, the only two that we've met who still have this power, and Mia, at least, was like, I thought this all disappeared. And I think back when the moon was in the sky... Mm. There was this extra magic in the world, and when the moon and the goddess were, like, kicked out of everything, it disappeared, and they, like, went 
because they like seem really interested in the moon and the crown of the moon and finding it in the map and all of that Mm -hmm. when they're told by Mercurio and so I think they've like done part of that journey and like discovered this old magic and are like more connected to the true quote-unquote religion of the red church um than the blades are because it does it seems like the blades have started out because we also found out the librarian was the original lord blade guy Mm -hmm. or whatever he was the original cassius yeah (laughs) um and he's kind of like yeah things have really gone off the rails and (laughs) (laughs) things aren't what they used to be around here (laughs) yeah it sort of just feels like they're so like the the black mother is so far gone and removed that they can kind of ignore her and do what they want so they're taking some of the principles maybe of the old church but they're pursuing financial gain in the current world instead of like what their mission statement should have been yeah versus the siblings the weaver and the blood guy i think are more connected to the true religion if you will okay i buy that i still think they're creepy oh they are (laughs) they are seriously messed up that being said i think they could be good allies (laughs) oh and totally i mean they already um have saved Mia, like the, I keep forgetting his name. Yeah, Adonai. Adonai, Adonai. He already like repaid his debt to Mia. I don't even know if that counts as his debt to Mia because I think for it to be the debt, she has to ask him to do something. Well, Mercurio did. He was like, you owe her a debt. You need to watch out for her. And that's when he um, made, what's his face, Choka the blood. So here's what I think, and maybe you're right. But I got the impression that that was kind of Mercurio's in, but when he explained that she has the map and they're after the moon stuff, because that's what the twins ultimately want, mm. that they decided to help for like their own selfish reasons. But maybe not. Maybe that was the one debt. But I sort of get the sense that they're like that they're not over it yet. Like it's not like he's paid his debt and now he's done. But maybe he is. I well, okay, so he kills Hush. Mm-hmm. Who was trying to capture Mia. In a really creepy way. In a super creepy way. Choking on his blood. But then he writes Neve's name in the blood. Yep. And wasn't the debt... The debt had something to do with Neve, didn't it? Well, Marielle repaid the debt by restoring her beauty or whatever. Because she had deformed her when Neve fell in love with Adonai. So I don't know. I guess maybe you're right. But part of me thinks... Regardless of if they owe a debt or not, that they're still allies going forward. It's not like, okay, I've done my part. Mm. Hands clean. I'm out of this. I sort of feel like they have a vested interest in her getting to the moon. Yes. And is that, that is there, they're following the map now to get to the moon? Is that what it is? The map on Ashland's back? So. (laughs) Because there is one map now. I was wrong. Right? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Wait, what do you mean you were wrong? I thought there were two maps before, remember? Well, I think there is the map I think I thought there was a second map, or there's the map from like Cleo's book, which I think is not like a true map. It's just like mm. shows where the god fell into the sea. Yes. He fell here. Yes. Which we talked, I don't know. But yes, there's one like true map, which is on her back. Oh, and if okay. she dies, it disappears. It disappears. And we found out a little bit about how she got it and that she killed someone to keep it secret. Yeah. Which is also, it is so funny that Mia is so judgmental about other people killing people and I other know. people dying. And I'm kind of like, Okay, I kind of get it, but also you're the worst. <laughs> Just because you didn't kill a child for your initiation doesn't make you a good person. Yeah, and yes, for the most part, you haven't killed innocence. True, like you haven't gone out to kill someone just to kill someone, and most of them are like you're in conflict with these people. But you also kill a lot more people than you have to. Yeah, like you don't have to murder everyone you see when you're in a fight. Like <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But so yeah, this map, I don't think they're following it yet because I think their goal right now is to 
get to Mercurio and free him. And I don't mm. think she's officially committed to following the map. Okay. But I think what Trick has told her and what the map has would be the next step would be to go find this, follow the map and go to the crown of the moon. The place where he fell. Or the place, whatever right. it is. Okay. Whatever's there, follow the map. And it's the secret that will undo the church. I think because if we bring back the Dark Mother, which ultimately I think happens if we reunite the pieces of her son, yeah, then awe is no longer in power. But the church or they're more balanced. Worships the Lady of the Night, though. Well, Duomo was the one who wanted to get rid of it. I don't think it's bad for the church. Oh, okay. Or maybe I don't, I don't remember know. now. It said... Well, I think the current church doesn't want them to find it because they're not actually worshiping the Black Mother. They are doing whatever the hell they want and making a lot of money. So, <laughs> like, it's actually in their favor to not remake the world, even if that's technically what they're supposed to be doing. If yeah. they're technically supposed to be, like, defending her, the goddess, <laughs> and, like, reclaiming her power, they're not really doing that. No. They're just getting their own power. So that it might be against the people currently in charge of the church. But that's kind of what the Weaver and Adam and I are doing. So maybe that's why they're allying themselves with Mia. Yeah. Okay. It's starting to make sense. <laughs> and she has, she's, for someone who doesn't think she has friends or family, she's got a lot now. Again, she's got her brother with her. Her dad is complicated, but kind of making an appeal to her, but mm-hmm. he's not actually an ally. Um, she's got her two lovers, Ashlyn and Trick, <laughs> one who's come back from the dead for her. She's got her gladiator friends, even though they've become a smaller group now. Oh, that was so sad. I know. And I, uh, and I, uh, I liked that Mia was like, she went to recruit them and then she was like, I can't ask this of them. They've already given so much. And then freaking Mr. Kindly went behind her back and yeah, but I think he did the right thing. Did you? I do. I love Mr. Kindly. I like him too. I, and I think he does care for Mia. I just, I'm sad that, I'm sad that he asked them to join because he knew they would. Yes. But I also, he asked them, he didn't pressure them or, or threaten them or anything like that. And I think, I don't think Mia could have done it without them. And I think that they are happy to be there. Like, I don't think any of them are like, oh, I wish I hadn't come. I think, I mean, no one wishes they were in that situation, but I, I also feel like they got their freedom without a lot. Like, what were they going to do? Like, in some ways, this gives their life more purpose than just, like, I don't know. I guess Mia's just, like, they could have done anything they wanted. But what they wanted to do was help her. I know, and I, yeah. I, I'm glad that she's torn up about it, but I don't think Mr. Kindly was, like, out of line either because she needed help. Who else was she going to ask? And all they did was ask, and they still made the decision yeah. to come. And then she banished him. <laughs> I know, well, I feel bad that was so sad when, like, oh, it was sad. Bryn and um, Wave, Wave, Wave Walker. Wave Walker. <laughs> and that was so sad when they were, like, all sharing. The, I mean, that was funny when they were sharing their, like, most awful sex stories because <laughs> that was, like, making me crack up on the train. But then Wave Walker was, like, they were, like, yeah. what was the worst thing that happened during your first time? And he's, like, well, I'm hoping there won't be any problems. And then he's, like, about to have sex with Bryn for the first time. And freaking Hush comes out of nowhere. I know. That was really sad. But also, again, you know, I don't like it when anyone in particular dies. But I do like when you're having all this fighting and stuff and everyone in the cohort lives. I'm sort of like, that's unrealistic. So as bad as it is, I'm glad that we are losing some of the good guys. Yeah, it is more realistic. It was just, like, so heartbreaking the way it happened. And the timing. I know. Yeah. That was hard. And she, like, just lost her brother and was, like, finding happiness again. And he wanted to open the theater, and that was, like, his dream. And she was, like, uh, or Mia was, like, that's gonna, I'm going to get him back to open the theater. And uh, But at least it went quick. And yeah. How she's now suffer. dead, too. So, but, yeah. 
There are a lot of moving pieces. So but then, many. And she also has the pirates when we're going back to allies. Yes. So she has a good chunk of people. And she has the weaver and the blood guy. And Nia. And Nia. Neve. Whatever her name is. <laughs> I can't remember anyone's names. What else is new? I just, um, we have half a book left. And a um, lot to do. We have to remake a whole world. <laughs> and save Mercurio. <laughs> oh gosh, I hope we save him. I think I bet he dies. No, we have to save him. He, wrote, he writes the book. I think he outlives Mia. You're probably right. I hope we find out more about, like, I, I, I think it's interesting how Scavia is Darken and, like, but he can still hold the Trinity. Yeah. And he was talking about how he does it, like, through the force of his will. Like, I'm, like, really interested in Scavia at this point. He kind of reminds me of, like, a Darth Vader-ish kind of character yes. where it's like, I am Mia. I am your father. <laughs> like, I don't know. Just something about it where it's like, oh, he maybe. You maybe are really similar. You just kind of chose different sides of this war. But again, part of me is like, oh, he's the worst. And I don't think he's a good guy. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. But I'm sort of like, he's also not really the worst. He just wants his son back and wants to rule the world. I mean, yes, he wants to rule the world, but... (laughs) He has gained, he hasn't done it like by, well, I guess he's intimidated some people and stuff, but like the people want him there. Yes. Oh, they love him. Yeah. Boy. Like I, I sort of respect the politicalness of what, it's not just like taking strength and like the army and I don't like, part of me likes that he's just manipulated the system. I hated though when he was like asking Mia to join him and he was like, I made you what you are. And I was like, oh. Stop taking credit for her. She works so hard to get where she is. It's not because of you. Well, it was a real... He's so good with words, though. And I like how it... She's kind of struggling with that, too, because she also, like, rejected it in the moment, but then was kind of like, well, technically, like, what would I have become if he hadn't destroyed my family? And, like, I don't know. But it's also like, he probably would have been happy with Ashlyn on a lake. (laughs) Yeah. You just would never know at this point. Well, did you do any research this week? So I didn't do a very good job with research. But we have Jonan, who has been kidnapped, and basically the entire church is trying to help find him because their biggest patron wants his son back. Mm -hmm. So I found this article about 15 times the heirs to massive fortunes disappeared under mysterious or disturbing circumstances. However, there were only three stories in it. (laughs) Um, so the others I don't know. Under mysterious yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know exactly what happened. And one of them was um, the uh, Anastasia. No, it wasn't Anastasia, but maybe that was story number four, the Lindbergh baby. Oh, so yes, yes. I think we've talked about that one before. So we I'm going to talk about that one. So the other two stories I have, one was about Mary Jacqueline Levitz, known as Jackie. And she was married to Ralph Levitz, who's like some furniture tycoon millionaire guy. Furniture tycoon? That's what they say. (laughs) I don't know exactly what he started. So he died in 1995 at the age of 82. And she moved to Palm Beach, Florida. Or no, she moved from Palm Beach, Florida to Mississippi. Who leaves Florida when they retire to go to Mississippi? No one. Ah, I'm I'm questioning this article now. But according to CNN, the furniture heiress hoped to have her home ready by Christmas and was going to plan, like, invite all of her family over to her new house for Christmas. Bet she got a good discount on furniture. But then, on November 18th, the 62-year-old widow, which is also funny, so she was, like, 20 years younger than her husband, but that's that's Ew. cool. Um, <laughs> she went to a shop to pick up wallpaper, and that's the last time anyone saw her. Whoa. So the, the next day... Uh, some of her relatives came to her house because 
she hadn't been answering her phone or whatever. And they found her home unlocked and a bunch of ominous clues. So they found a bloody mattress. What? Torn off fake fingernails. Fake fingernails. Okay. Yeah. I guess um, if anyone listens to the true crime podcast, The Trail Went Cold, they have an episode about this case. And so this was 1995. So six years later, in 2001, she was declared legally dead and her $4 million estate was distributed. Wait, how long do you have to... How long before they can declare you legally dead? I don't actually know. Most of these, it was like over five years at the at a minimum with no clues or okay. like after it's gone cold. But I don't know what it... I don't know if it like... It probably does depend a little bit on who's asking for the money yeah. and things or, you know, like what they're going to do with stuff. Like, I think if someone's missing and you, How I don't know. This, yeah. I don't know. And she was the sole heir. I guess so. It doesn't sound like they had any kids or anything. It's so, so. weird though because if she was kidnapped, you'd think they'd try to ransom her. That's what this article was talking about originally. It was like, oh, a lot of kidnappers will target wealthy yeah. people in hopes for a big payout. But um, so then mother and son, Sante and Kenneth, Times were arrested for the disappearance and murder of Irene Silverman uh, in 2000, and there was a bunch of things in the press that they were also linked to her disappearance. Mm. But then the FBI said there were no links between the two, so her case is still unsolved. Whoa. And they didn't, like, with the bloody mattress and the... Yeah. They didn't find anything. They said there were hundreds and hundreds of tips and clues, and they followed up on everything, but none of them ever went anywhere. That's so, crazy. Yeah, maybe check out this. I don't know if this true crime podcast is any good or not. I haven't listened to it, but I'm kind of curious about this case now. So. I just subscribed to it. Okay. Well, you're welcome, other podcasts. I even forgot the name of it already. Case is the gone trail cold. went cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, so the other one. So um, Michael Rockefeller was the son of Nelson Rockefeller, who was New York governor and then later became U.S. vice president. And after graduating from Harvard, this kid went on an expedition with the Peabody Museum of Archaeology and Ethnology hmm. to study the Dani people of the Indonesian highlands. So at 23, in 1961, this kid started his own study um, of a different ethnic group of New Guinea. But him, one of his colleagues, and two local guides were canoeing and the canoe flipped over. Oh, no. And the two guides went to go get help and him and... The other anthropologists were just like on the boat drifting in the sea. That doesn't sound safe. And they were approximately 10 miles from the coastline. This is also November 19th, but a different year. Whoa. I, okay, question everything I'm telling you, everybody who's listening right now. I or didn't do very good research. So. Stay home on November 19th. <laughs> yeah, don't go outside on November 19th. Are we posting this episode on November? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so uh, he told his friend, I think I can make it. He was only 10 miles from shore, and he began to swim to shore. And oh, bad idea. his friend ended up being rescued the next day, but no one ever saw Rockefeller again. Oh. So they're not sure if he died due to drowning or exposure or sharks or crocodiles yeah. or local headhunters. That's what? another theory. But some people think that he just left his old life and joined a nearby tribe. No, I don't think that happened. But... Well, I guess he was, like, really into these. I mean, I, I don't really think that happened, but there's some speculation that it yeah. did. Um, but he was declared legally dead three years after his disappearance. That doesn't seem very long. I guess, but also, like, 
where could you I mean like but there are some people who are found like 15 years after they've been kidnapped and stuff like that yeah if they've been kidnapped I guess if you were in the middle of the ocean and then started swimming maybe they're like well chances are (laughs) there's like one small island here (laughs) or whatever we've searched it no I don't know true true but yeah, I mean, I don't really know what the laws are for how long they wait until you. I feel like if you have a lot of money to your name and they want to distribute it, I don't know. There probably also have to be certain signs that something bad happened. Like the fact that there was a bloody mattress and the fact that you were out at sea. Like, I mean, like yeah. if you just like literally disappeared, it probably takes longer to declare you dead because you could have just... And don't you think your loved ones have to give consent or something like that? I don't know. At first I was thinking yes, but then another part of me could imagine like people being like, no, my sister is still out there somewhere and the police are like, too bad. No, she's dead. Yeah, we're not investing any more time in this. That's so interesting. I wonder... I want to read the other 12 stories though. I know. And you know what else? Like, I think it's interesting how there are groups of people who dedicate themselves to solving cold cases. Like, I wonder how many people have been looking into these cases and trying to figure out what happened. Well, it's also funny, sad, interesting that we're really interested in these, like, high-profile people who were owed a bunch of money or, you know, I guess some of these are, like, odd circumstances, but, like... How many people go missing every day that are poor or even just, like, middle class and, like, Mm -hmm. it's sort of like... Well, I haven't heard of these people. Yeah. I don't even know who Ralph Levitt's the furniture tycoon is, so (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I want to look him up. I I want to be a tycoon of something something. one day. me too. What what should we be tycoons of? He was the former chairman of the Levitt's Furniture Corporation. I want to be a book tycoon. What What would that entail? Um, that's just a librarian, I think. I want to be, but okay. Oh, I'm, wait, you want to be an heir to like a bunch of rare books? No, rare I'll go, books. I'll go become a librarian, but I'm going to put my title on LinkedIn, book tycoon. <laughs> I feel like to do be a book tycoon, you have to have access to like rare first editions of books, which I would actually kind of like, and then I would invite people to my home and like have the thing where you like take the books out of the display and you have to wear gloves to handle them and like turn the pages with tweezers have you watched you on yes yeah that's what i'm picturing now that creepy room and ugh. i won't store bodies <laughs> that's, i won't go that far i don't know i will soon acquire a library not of rare and first editions but of other people's used reject books because i have a book buying problem as most people probably know but i did assess my october haul <laughs> i acquired 18 books in October and I only read seven so that like at that rate (laughs) that's dangerous and to be honest I don't even I should like donate them when I'm done but I tend to keep most of my books so even if I read them it's not like they're going out the back door (laughs) you're gonna be the old lady who like fills her house with books and gets smothered by her books I mean that would be a great way to go yeah (laughs) after reading about death and stuff I'll take smoke I I would love to hang out in the library in this book though too with the bookworms though yeah as long as you're respectful of the books which i would be true they won't hurt you i would ooh, I'm still i don't even like break my friends used to make fun of me because i like don't break the spines of books oh, when i'm reading oh. i like like i'll read a book and it'll look brand new when i'm done and they're like did you read this it's like 500 pages i'm like barely opening it <laughs> i'm not careful with my books <laughs> and i don't think you have like i think i encourage people to read so read however you want to read james i think it's james my husband's father I think it was, would, like, if he was reading a paperback book and it was really long, he'd, like, rip out chapters <gasps> he already read and, like, leave them. So when he was traveling... So or, it was like, lighter. You know, yeah. Oh, I wouldn't do it. That's... No. It sounds crazy to me, but I also kind of just love that he brought books places and... But that's, like, defacing a book. I mean, yeah, no one else can read it afterwards, but... <laughs> 
kind of badass too. <laughs> kind of a, like before Kindles were invented, he was like, "Well, this book's too long. Let's whittle it down." I guess I'm also just imagining like if he disappeared, but like was doing this all over the country, and someone's like following him and reading oh, chapter after chapter, <laughs> like like Hansel and Gretel trail. That would be amazing. <laughs> Anyways, that was my research. <laughs> Left something to be desired, but it was still interesting. I um, my research is pretty out there. Um, well, I will say I have an idea of what you researched because you shared the notes and you left a note to yourself on what to research. But and the note just says research animal dicks, ha ha, <laughs> including the ha ha. Yep, I love that I was laughing at my own joke. So yes, I did research animal phalluses because they mentioned that in the book they were talking about the what was it the barnacle or whatever or the well yeah there was some saying that they have about. I don't even remember what the saying was, but then, yeah, the footnote was about, like, all these, the ratio of, of phallus to yep. size or whatever. Penis to body ratio. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> You've Googled this, obviously. I have. <laughs> Our Google search histories. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine if someone saw this and they were like, wow, what gets this girl off? <laughs> like, Gladiators, penis to body ratio, kidnapping wealthy heirs. <laughs> Well, the first one was, um, the title of it is The Sea Slug's Disposable Regenerating Penis. So I started with penis-to-body ratios and then just started researching very interesting phalluses in the animal kingdom. Are those good for skin cream, by chance? I, I, I Probably. put it on my face. <laughs> First, just gathers them. Oh my goodness. Okay, um, this, okay. Is take- this book has brought us to weird places, really you guys. Has. Um... Because I also researched pirate codes. Codes? But, yeah. Like, you remember they were yeah. talking about how, like... The seven rules or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they are like, pirates actually have codes that they live by. So I found a bunch of pirate codes online. I'll save it for next week. Okay. Though. Yeah. Let's talk about that next week. I also, just side note, yeah. I love that they have a pirate king and everyone is like obsessed with like, wait, why is there a king? And they're like, we're not like barbarian. <laughs> like, we have we structure. Have a rule system. But I also love it because the world is, re- is a republic, right? I mean, mm-hmm. technically... Scabies, not acting minor, like a yeah. monarch, but yeah. Anyways, go on. Okay, so barnacles have the largest penis-to-body ratio in the animal kingdom. Their penises can be up to 50 times the length of their body. That's crazy. And this was exactly the footnote. Yeah. Because they were like, this would be if a six-foot-tall person had a 300-foot-long penis. <laughs> that would be really hard to do anything. Yeah, for real. So why are they so long, though? Why do they need to be so long? I did not look into that. <laughs> like, that just, uh, like, it seems like a weird evolutionary thing to be that much bigger than the rest of your body. I guess, like, procreation th- is the point of evolution, or... Well, I think it's because a barnacle can't move, and so it needs to, like, send be out its... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Interesting. Because okay. whales, so blue whales have the largest phalluses on Earth. Um, well, their heart is the size of a small car, so <laughs> I can only imagine... <laughs> Well, their penises are 12 inches in diameter. Whoa. And they are 10 to 12 feet in length. That's crazy. Yeah, that's insane. That thing could kill everybody. (laughs) Yeah, it could sink a ship. (laughs) Um, Okay, so in terms of like... I like can't even fathom how big that is. (laughs) Well, okay, so the hooked squid has a penis that when erect can become as long as its entire body that was also in the footnote i think yeah so that is like the greatest ratio of animals that can move it's like not a barnacle i can't know why does it need to be that big uh, i don't want to think about it <laughs> i don't want to either yeah 
Okay, so let's move on to the sea slug. <laughs> Bless. So this is interesting. So the sea slug can discard its penis after mating. And then um, does it regenerate? And then a new it one? regrows within 24 hours. Wow. Yeah. That's a quick turnaround. So what's interesting is sea slugs are simultaneous hermaphrodites. So they possess both male and female genitals. And once they mate, the organs sever from their bodies and then float away. Do they mate like back and forth or do they, does one? So it, it could go both ways. I'm not sure what a sea slug does, but it's often found in like fish, mollusks, or crustaceans, this idea of simultaneous hermaphrodites. And it can either be egg trading, so they will, um, both partners will pass eggs to each other and then fertilize the ones that they receive, or they'll exchange sperm. Okay. But I thought that was interesting because I also read about flatworms are also hermaphrodites. Wait, flatworms? What are those? Flatworms? They're like little worms. Like in the, in the dirt? I think in the sea. Or in the sea. Okay. Um, so this is interesting. So they have, they are simultaneous hermaphrodites, so they have both male and female sex organs, but what they do is they... <laughs> They basically have fencing penises. So like when they're mating, they will both send out their penises to each other and try to like stick it in the other one. Like, and they try to um, pierce the skin of the other worm so that they can fertilize the eggs. So they both have eggs. They both have sperm. Okay. And they fence like that because they don't want the burden of having to carry the eggs. <laughs> so they like literally have a fencing match to see like who can fertilize the other's eggs and the first one to impregnate the other while fending off the other's advances becomes the quote-unquote male, and he wins because he doesn't have to, like, expend energy carrying the eggs. <laughs> That's actually hilarious. Isn't that amazing? I kind of love that. Um, okay, the... Ugh, I don't want to talk about that one. Okay. The... <laughs> I don't even want to know. <laughs> the orb spider. This is interesting. So male orb spiders actually have a penis they can detach and reattach what do they so, do with it when it's detached <laughs> they take they take their penis off and, and put it in the female spider to impregnate them and the reason they do this is because female spiders after they mate will usually i don't know i guess they get really hungry and they try to eat the male i've heard that about other spider types before right mm -hmm. so the male does this so it can like take its penis off, impregnate it, and run away, <laughs> so that he doesn't get eaten. So they say that the um, the female orb spider successfully eats the male after mating seventy five percent of the time. So even with this additional ability to run away, they're still yeah. getting eaten more than they're not. <laughs> yes, so they, significantly more than they're not. They detach their penises so they can run away. So do they leave the penis behind, or do they still wait and just they're like? have their running shoes on. I think they leave them there and then maybe come back for them later. I don't know. Because <laughs> they don't regrow. They can just reattach. Maybe. <laughs> but I just think it's funny that they were they do it to like, so they don't have extra weight bogging them, bogging them down so they can run away. Oh, I thought it was like, so they weren't as in, oh. like, you know, you could just grab it and go. Okay. Of like... They don't actually come back for their penises. <laughs> they leave them in the female spiders and they become quote unquote eunuchs. And they become super fighters. And they, I guess that because they don't have this extra weight of their penises, <laughs> they, they're more, they have more endurance. And so they um, can fight better and have a better shot at surviving. 
I just also have questions so about weird. this body to penis ratio if it's so heavy that like they can go from regular fighter to super fighter by removing <laughs> they can't run away with it attached also that means they only get to mate once but i guess if you're an insect like how long's your life probably not that long <laughs> and i guess for every one time that they're mating that it go like don't th- don't spiders have like millions of spider babies i think so or like yeah maybe not millions but like Tons. a lot a lot a lot a lot okay so the sea turtle has a very interesting penis they extend to nearly half the animal's eight-foot body length, and then the end of it has a five-lobed head that discharges semen from four different branches. Wow, that sounds weird. And they say they evolved so they could inseminate females from long distances and, like, get past their protective shells. This all just sounds terrible, really. <laughs> and then they're like, let me figure out a way where I can impregnate someone else without having to deal with them. <laughs> oh, the spider just kills me. I'm still thinking about the swords or the, the fencing, fencing yeah. flowers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so that was my research. Oh, man. Again, I'm just going to say this book has taken us to weird places. We would never have thought of researching nope. such things. Nope, nope. I don't think I've said the word penis that many times in <laughs> quick succession. But yeah, this book just, there's a lot of sex. There's a lot of, it's almost like, you brought this up earlier. You were like, it's almost like the book is trying so hard to be shocking and edgy that it's just like throwing all this stuff at us. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it really adds much to the story. Yeah. And I don't think it does add something to the story. I think it gives it its own personality, mm-hmm. which makes it stand out from other stuff. But I do feel like the elements of a good story are all there. But then there's also this layer of stuff that I could do without. And I don't think the story would hurt. I agree. Personally, but... Like, I just feel like the author is so obsessed with Mia's tits. Like, everything is about her breasts and her boobs, and someone touched her boob, and her boobs are, like, squeezed together, and it's just like, oh my god. And even, like, the swearing. Like, everyone swears so much when they don't really have to. You know? Or, like... Yeah. Like, some of it, it's just... Yeah, it's like, okay, okay we could have gotten the point of this scene without some of this imagery or some of the this, yeah. these words or something. And it's not, like, bothering me, bothering me necessarily. Surprisingly, I'm, like, reading. Like, I thought I'd be more, like, mm. cringing while reading. And there are some places where I have been. But it's funny. Like, now that I'm in this world, we're, what, two and a half books in, I'm sort of, like, okay. Like, I'm if anything, I, like, now. roll my eyes. But I'm not, like, oh, my goodness. I'm just, like, oh, another one, you know? The one part that bothered me a little bit was when I forget who was who they were talking about. It was in the footnotes, which I should know better by now and just not read. <laughs> there was one where, like, someone slit someone's throat and then like had sex with yep. the wound and that was the pirate king mm-hmm. yeah and he was like yes you read that right and i was like why <laughs> yeah. like that's so unnecessary i didn't need that it is Ugh. funny because we read um uh illuminae is that what it's called the illuminae files yeah. yeah um which is jay Kristoff and amy kaufman and it's just funny to like now that we've read a book by just him like I'm, i feel like we need to read something by just her just to see like how different like if we can tell more, like, because this is, feels very, very different from yes. that series, but obviously he was involved, or maybe just read more of his stuff. Like, I'm curious how much of this is just his style. How did she rein him back to write that other book? I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's so hard to imagine. <laughs> like, she must have been such an extreme opposite, or else they must be very, very creative people or something. Yeah. I'm just very curious to see what she writes like. Agreed. Because even that one, like, d- didn't have a ton, a ton of death. I think that was one of my complaints about that series a little bit. No, it didn't really at all. Like, a lot of the people that we liked survived the whole thing, I think. Anyways, I'm rambling. 
I'm trying to find a joke for you because I forgot that it's my turn. Okay, I'll let you look for a joke while I make some predictions. Okay. Um, okay, we're going to bring the moon back. Okay. Nia's going to die. I think Jonan's going to kill Scavia. Who is going to be... This is... The big question I keep having is who's going to be in charge of the new Republic? Ash? I don't think she... She wants to live at her lake house. I don't think she deserves it either. Like, I get that she's not... Like, she has reasons why she was so terrible, but I don't think she's, like, moral enough to be a good leader. (laughs) Nor do I think she wants it. Mercury is too old. Yeah, but he's, like, the only one I could kind of imagine. But also, when you think about it, he also was a blade of the church and... Jonan, do you think? Well, he's way too young. Yeah. Um, what about Sid? Oh, I like Sid. Yeah. I could see that, maybe. Totally. He fought with me as father. Like, he has experience fighting, not I mean, so much he, leading. He, he's but... a slave, but whatever. No, he's, he's been a leader of the gladiators, kind of. And Remember, weren't they, when they were walking through the desert, because they got off the ship, because yeah. the gods are trying to... All the other daughter gods are after them because they don't want them to succeed in bringing back the brother. Um, they were talking about how he's like good at keeping spirits up and kind of leading the group, and that's why he started all those sex stories. Oh, yeah. He was trying to like keep their spirits up or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who else though. We have a lot of bad guys in this book. We do, but some, but they're slowly whittling down. Hush is gone. Duomo's gone. We really just have. I don't know. We have a lot. We still have a lot. (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen. I feel like... I also just feel like there's still a lot. Not that I think things have been slow by any means, but we still have a lot to get through and only have a book. We always say that. I know. But this book, I do feel like things keep happening, so I'm not too worried about how it's going to... Like, I'm sure that it's just going to be action, action, action. Yeah. Bloody battle, bloody battle, bloody battle. Yep. And then Mia dies. (laughs) That's my prediction. That's your prediction? (laughs) Bloody battle, Mia dies? You're probably right. I did find a joke for you. Okay. What room does a ghost not need? The kitchen? The living room. (laughs) Okay, why did the vampire read the New York Times? The bloody... I don't know. He heard it had great circulation. (laughs) (laughs) Last one. Why did the ghost go into the bar? To get some skin in the game. For the booze. I like oh, it. Boy. Oh, my favorite joke when I was a kid was, why Sorry. didn't the skeleton cross the road? Because he didn't have the guts. Yeah, that was like my yeah, favorite. That was on there. <laughs> she did. Okay, if you guys have any Halloween jokes for us, if you have any predictions, if you have any funny sex stories, <laughs> don't send us those. I'm just kidding. Um, you can email us at mnktalkya at gmail.com. Or on Instagram and Facebook at mnktalkya. You can talk to us as well. We would love to hear from you. And we're going to keep reading this book. And we already have our fan name. What else do we have to oh, do next week? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, fan name. I was going to say Bookworm. I thought you said that one already. Yeah. I have another one. Oh, okay. What's the other one? I'll save it for next week. Okay. Oh, maybe that means I have to come up with one too. Okay, I'll try and think Well, we got two good, two solid options. Okay. Well, I'll come up with a ridiculous option just for <laughs> diversity. Just throw that out there. <laughs> All right. Bye, bookworms. Go get a library card. Bye. 
M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.